Good morning and welcome to our Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope webinar series with Mothers You Know. I'm Karen Broadhead. I'm the director of Mothers You Know and so grateful that you would join us this morning. Thank you so much for being here. This is our final webinar of three this round. And next week, we're going to start our Mom Power training. And in our Mom Power training, you learn, oh, so much about the spirit God gave you that we all know. But often when we look at our life, we can't behold our life. We look and think, oh, it just looks like a lot. And we can often be spun into fear. But when we can behold our life under Heavenly Father's plan, then we can stay in the spirit God gave us, which is of power and of love and of a sound mind. And our motto for Mothers You Know is stay by the tree, which has everything to do with our love and devotion to the Savior and our reliance on his help as we are supporting our children. And so if you have children or grandchildren or love any children, and you have a mother heart, we invite you to come and join us. We hope that you will starting next week with our mom power training. And so grateful to have Chris here today. I love him and I'm really grateful for his service to us. I'm going to turn the time over to BJ, who's our co-host today. Thanks, BJ. Yeah, you're sure welcome, Karen. Yeah, isn't this a neat gathering place? And Chris, we are so grateful that you're joining us today. Really just we're just real people and, and we've learned so much as people are willing to step up and speak up and, and anyway, it's just benefited us all so much. And so we appreciate that. And we just did want to just give you a little bit of uh, information about who we are and what we're about. And we also wanted to share a little bit of information about Chris before we get started and, and how it works today is. We, this will go from nine until about 10, 25 ish. And during, after I share a little bit of information, then we'll just hand it over to Chris and he'll just kind of lead our, our discussion. He has some things to share. And Chris has just wanted everyone to know that he's just open for this to be more of a facilitated discussion. Lots of times we'll have a, someone will present and we'll ask questions at the end, but this is going to be really fun to just be able to throughout. So if you have something that comes up or a question, Chris is just open for you to unmute and say, hey, I've got a question or put something in the chat and I will ask it out loud. Sometimes you have a question that you feel like you don't want to ask out loud, but you would like it asked. We totally get that. You can send it privately to me in the chat. Just select my name, BJ, and, and you can just send it to me and I'll ask it anonymously and that works just great too. So, all right. And the, just a little bit more information about who we are. This is the Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope. Like Karen said, this is the last one in this series. And we're, we want you to know that we're sponsored by Life Changing Services and Mothers Who Know. We love these groups. <laughs> and Life Changing Services is this awesome team of Latter-day Saint professionals and therapists that are just really interested in helping individuals and families find peace and healing through therapeutic recovery and training programs. And Chris is involved highly with one of these programs, the Sons of Healing program. And 
So we're excited to hear a little bit more from him. And then also, mothers who know, in case you're new, we're just a faith-filled gathering place for all women who are wanting to joyfully support their self and their loved ones as we are all navigating common challenges of our time. And it's just a powerful place to find connection, which is so important, and also support and training. And we just love to have hope right over all of the things that we do. And because it's a Christ-centered place, that's where the hope can come from. And so we just, we, you're welcome to go to lifechangingservices.org. That's a great place to find all those different programs or motherswhoknow.org. And you can find out about those specific trainings and things that are available. This is one of the trainings that we just love to highlight. It's a free training. It's called Mom Power Training, and it's an eight-part self-guided training that you can just listen to when it's convenient for you. And then we also have live weekly mini classes that are on Zoom where we can just hear a little bit more information from Karen and then have a chance to ask questions and share insights. And just so you know, Karen has just been such a courageous mother, been so just confident in getting behind other women and helping them to find some of these resources and pointing to the Savior as just a place where we can have a foundation in in meeting some of real life and some of those challenges that come our way. So Karen is the founder and director of Mothers Who Know, and she's been the parent support specialist for life-changing services for over a decade. And she teaches those lessons that are included in the training. And then she also is there for the live discussion. So we just invite you to come and come and see and come and um, join with us. It's just an awesome place. So our next one will start next week and you can just register easily in 30 seconds at mompowertraining.org. And then lots of people are wondering, what is this Stay by the Tree name? Where did they get that name from? And we just wanted to give you a little bit of information about that. You know, as mothers, we understand the worry and fear that we can feel as we're hoping to make sure our loved ones find the Savior. We all relate to that make sure thing. And the name of this webinar series, Stay by the Tree, comes from that scriptural account in the Book of Mormon with our with that beloved parent and prophet Lehi. It's commonly called the Tree of Life Vision. And the the vision just beautifully depicts that the best place for us to stand while we're beckoning to our loved ones on their journey is right next to the Savior. And you notice that Lehi beckons, he invites, he speaks with all the feelings of a tender parent, and he sometimes even calls out in a loud voice or ceases speaking. And so we love to watch him, how he never leaves the tree. He never forces others to him. He just invites while he's standing safely next to the Savior and partaking of those fruits that he generously extends. It's just the best place for us to feel peace and hope. And we like to say that that can be felt even in the middle of hard. And we've watched that. And I just, I love that. We love sharing that, that that's the name of the series. And it's just a a beautiful piece to share. So today's message of hope is by Chris Bynan. and, And he'll be just right up next to share with us. But he'll be talking about 
the double funnel theory adapted. I can't wait to hear what this is about. And he'll also be sharing some experiences and stories from he's worked with young men for over 37 years now. And Chris is a retired seminary and institute teacher after teaching for 33 years. And so he's served an LDS mission to Indiana and he graduated from BYU and receiving a master's in social work from the University of Utah. And so he has been a clinician for over 25 years and he's always specialized in working with youth. He's been working with the Santa Gilman for the last eight years and it's just been one of the highlights of his life, he will say. He continues to witness miracles of recovery over and over again. And he sees countless young men fulfill their dreams of life without addiction, of serving a mission, and of returning to marry the wife that they've been fighting for long before they even knew her. Um, Chris and his wife have enjoyed working as session directors for EFY beginning in 2002. And they're just have been so grateful to been able to work with amazing youth throughout the country and also Canada. Some other fun things to know about Chris is that he enjoys restoring things. His 50-year-old house, a 1952 Ford truck that he drove in high school, and then foremost, the lives of noble and great young men who are haunted with addiction. He loves these young men with all his heart, and he's just so determined to do all that's within his power to help them reach their goals. Chris holds in-person groups for Sons of Helaman and Bountiful, and he's happy to help answer any questions regarding this amazing program, and he's also available for private counseling. So you can learn more about Chris and how to contact him at lifechangingservices.org. You just look under the Sons of Helaman program, you just click on that, and then look under the clinicians, and you can find out a little bit more about that. Here's a picture of the Bynan family. I would love to know where this was taken. So fun. And Chris, okay. where was it? Out there to my Saltaire. Oh, okay. The, uh, towards okay. Uh, Tooele there, past Magnet. Oh, yeah. Hey, I love the, the backdrop. I haven't seen that before. Yeah, this all needs updated so much. I'm so sorry. So you've added more since this picture, huh? Well, yeah. And the man on the left, he's now married. So his wife is missing and... Well, a couple more grandchildren. Oh, that uh, we need to update things a lot when you've got kids that are married and having kids. But well, it's wonderful to see some of you and just to let you know, Chris was raised in Bountiful. He's Utah and he's been married. He has been married to the former Cynthia Colts for over 35 years. We learned a little bit about her before we started. And they have six children, five children-in-laws, and their 14th grandchild is on the way. So, Chris, you know, with that, I think we're just going to hand it over to you. We just are so grateful for you being here with us. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Well, I already knew Karen, but I just, it's already been pretty neat. I got to know BJ a little better and Luann the other day and and now Debbie, and I'm looking at this screen and I'm thinking, wow, one of these things is not like the other. And you know, you're beautiful. And I hate looking at myself. Really. I like looking at that picture of me on the bios a lot younger. It's like 10 years ago and it makes me 
look forward to the resurrection. That'll be, be great. Get some of that back. So my last name's Bynan. I know when you saw the spelling, you're thinking that doesn't look like Bynan. I always had to tell people, if you don't want none, you don't buy none. And, and then it was a long time before my wife's like, that's not proper grammar, you know, but he actually wanted to change how we pronounce my name because I, I was like, I have to draw the line somewhere. You, you can't change how, how you pronounce that wonderful Welsh. So people that know me know I'm pretty commonly would say that I'm the richest man I know. My children know that, the riches of eternity. I've been known to say that I'm Heavenly Father's favorite child. You know, not that he doesn't love you any less, but I just know that, that I'm his favorite. And John the Beloved felt the same way, so it's okay to feel that way. And I often would tell in seminary what became known as the greatest love story ever told. And it would take six and a half hours. I'd only tell it on Fridays. And that was the reward for coming on Friday. You'd get the next chapter of the love story. And so that's how I feel. People that know my life might not think that I should maybe feel that way. I was the oldest child of my father's third marriage. And my mother had previously given a child up for adoption prior to marrying the first time. And I was her, so I was her first child after she was married. And when I was 14, I found out I had another sister. And when I was uh, 21, I found out I had another brother and it keeps going on. It's been kind of funny. My brother just found out he has a daughter. He's 72 and just found out he has a daughter and that was a half reunion. But you know, families can be a little uh, messy. I think that's the norm. And my family, the, my, my parents were Fred and Virginia Bynan. They were, they're just, they were the best. They were awesome. I love them dearly. Uh, but they had some struggles. My father was an alcoholic and, you know, my mother had a lot of emotional issues. And so the best thing they did was they moved to Bountiful when I was five. And that allowed me to be the project in the ward. You know, I was the charity case. And so I benefited from, you know, the village that it takes to raise a, a person. And then I'd less active until, uh, couple really cute cheerleaders knocked on my door one summer and said, Hey, you should take seminary. And I just said, Hey, are you going to be there? And they said, yeah, we'll be there. So it's like, well, okay, I'll go. And, and they weren't there. I mean, they said, yeah, we're in seminary too. But I thought they were going to be like, you know, right there, but that, that happened. And then I had, so I had seminary my senior year. Brother Tyre changed my life forever, became a lifelong friend. He was my one and only seminary teacher. And so that we read the book of Mormon and that where I gained them in my testimony, I, I then decided just like all of you, if, if you read the book with real intent, then you can know it's true. And I said, if you tell me it's true, I intend to serve a mission, which was something that, you know. That really happened in my family. So we did that. I was called to the foreign land of Indiana because of my great faith. I was able to learn the language quickly and therefore, you know, influence people. So that was great. And then at my homecoming, they, during, right before I came home, they changed the ward boundaries and my wife was then moved to my ward 
And so she met me at my homecoming during my talk. And uh, she had heard about this guy named Brian. All the women were talking about Brian and, uh, and Chris, but she, she leaned over to someone cause she was new to the ward and said, is this Brian? And so that was like a really great compliment because I'm no Brian. Brian is, you know, he had a lot of dashing looks and whatever, but you know, things must've gone okay. And she brought me my scriptures. I'd left them on the stand and that's how we first met, but that's a six and a half hour story. We don't have time for that. But so even though you look at that family and you think, wow, he looks like a pretty normal guy and uh traditional, you know, amazing wife and six children. There's always a lot of story behind the story. Isn't there? People ask me, well, your children are all amazing. You know, one's an author, one's in the, you know, and I like, yeah, they're all amazing and they all have issues. And that's just the total truth. They would be the first ones to say it. They all have issues. And so with that, a little bit of background, I, I wanted to help others find the happiness, the joy, the peace. I wanted them to live the dream that I was living. I'm still living the dream. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just, life is so good. I want to live to a hundred and cause I just love, I love that. And so that senior year, I wrote down in a little piece of paper, the teacher asked us, what do you want to do? And I said, I'd like to become a seminary teacher or a therapist. And I didn't even remember I had written that down until I found it years later. And they said, like, wow, your desires are important. Your goals are important. And so with a lot of help, I was able to do both of those things. And just a little bit more, a little bit of glimpse of also family history, found out just like a year ago that my grandmother is Jamaican. She had hid that heritage. So I'm, I am one eighth Jamaican and, and I found out I'm also one eighth Jewish at that same time. So I tell people now I'm Jamaican. And you know, if you've always wanted a Jamaican friend, I'm here for you. Uh, you know, my friends now like me more because of my, you know, African ancestry. I was blonde hair, blue eyed, but I'm still pretty proud of that. We're going to Jamaica this year. So anyway, always worked with youth, really prefer working with young men because you know, women are complicated. Boys are pretty simple. There's not a lot there to have to figure out they're, they're, they're pretty easy. So with that, does anyone have any questions yet? I know you're like, you haven't told us anything. I know we're getting to that, but that's, that's my motives. That's what I'm about. And it's been a great, great, great journey. So I work with young men that struggle with pornography and other issues along those lines. And it's a, it's a very interesting thing. My best friend was just called as a bishop of one of the Brigham Young Awards. <clears throat> His name's Dwight Durant. You know, Dwight, he's a great guy. And he says, Chris, everyone I interview, it's just, you know, it's just chastity, chastity, chastity. And, and he said, you know, I just keep hearing about pornography, masturbation, privacy. And he said, I had a really weird question. What's wrong with that? And I was like, what do you mean? What's wrong with that? And he said, well, and it's like, one of the only guys I know, he's, he's like, I've never really, I've never struggled with it. I've never even really seen it. I've never struggled with this, like at all. I was raised by George Durant. I mean, we were perfect. 
And I said, well, how does it make them feel? Why do they feel like it's a problem? And he was like, well, I'm not sure, but I said, well, you feel guilty. You feel shameful. You feel you lose your peace. You lose the spirit. And I think he just was testing me. I think he actually knew the answer, but he wanted to, to know. And so it's been fun to help him help the young men in his ward. So I, I love working with these young men. I have seen miracles after miracle after miracle. I have a map in my office of the world with little dots of just their mission calls. It's always fun to put that on that. To me, that's always like a victory over Satan. You know, it's like in your face, these were young men that didn't feel they ever could reach that goal. And here they are, you know? And so that is always fun. I think I wanted to mention to you that when a young man comes seeking some help, they come to our group or, you know, a group experience, I always ask him, so how you doing? What do you think? And they always say the almost same thing. Wow. I'm not alone and there's hope. And I just think it's just like after one meeting, they're like, wow, I'm not alone. There's hope. And that is almost universal. Kind of had a funny story along those lines with someone coming to group. I had a young man that before you come to group, you usually have what, you know, an intake. So I have a, usually I meet with the parents and I meet with the young man and that, you know, get to know each other a little bit, explain kind of our therapeutic process and things like that. And then I'll meet with the young man alone and kind of get a little history and help him do a little motivational interviewing, see what his goals are. And I was waiting for this young man, and his parents to show up and this young man walks in and I said, oh, hi, you must be so-and-so. And he says, yeah. And I said, well, come on in. And I, he said, well, who are you? And I said, you know, I'm Chris Bynum and I'm a therapist. And he said, oh, I said, you don't know me. You don't know what, you don't know why you're here. And he said, no, he said, my parents said, get in the car, you're coming with us. And they dropped him off and they said, he's in there, that building somewhere, go find, we'll see you later. I said, so you don't know why you're here. And he was a little irritated. He'd basically been kidnapped and uh, thrown to me. And then I said, so you, your parents uh, signed you up for this group and that's for two hours and our intake is an hour. And it's like, I gotta be here three hours. And he's an amazing athlete, varsity soccer player. And he's just like, you could just see, I said, well, I'd be mad too, you know, cause he's right upset. And he just was like, can't believe it. I, you know, I'm going to kill him. And I said, well, you know, we might as well make the best of it since you're, you're here and they're not going to pick you up until for three hours. So we had a little visit and I said, do you want to stay for the group? Are you okay? And he says, well, I'll try. And it was amazing. After group, same thing. He said, well, that wasn't near as bad as I thought. He said, actually, that was pretty awesome. I said, are you going to see you next week? And he says, yeah. The very next week, his parents forget all about group. He doesn't forget about group. And he's like, where are you? Where's my ride? I need to get to group. And like, his parents had, had uh, totally spaced it. And anyway, he ended up succeeding, uh, uh, reaching his goals, overcoming his challenges. He's uh, 
Sin served a wonderful mission in Europe and, and uh, he's doing great, owns his own trucking business now. So I mean, it's like, wow, you know, lots and lots of cool stories. So if there's anything I would just say is that therapy is, is an amazing thing where you are allowed to work on something. And I believe if you work on things, things improve. It's just really that simple. And, and the whole therapy process, I mean, you know, bartender, they're known to be pretty good therapists, you know, hair salon people. And in reality, they are a little bit okay therapists because as anyone shares things, your brain is kind of reformulating it. It's working on it and it's kind of healing itself in a way. And so even just someone that's a good listener, you know, someone will really benefit from that. And so that, that we've known for a couple hundred years now, right? That, that you need a therapist, a therapist allows you to help your brain do in a healthy way, what your brain wants you to have happen to you. I mean, your brain just wants, your brain's always trying to fix things. It just wants you to feel better. Unfortunately, sometimes your brain learns things that, you know, that aren't really helpful. I actually tell young men and they are a little thrown off. I said, well, actually you are not your brain. I'm like, wait, I'm not my brain. Like, yeah, your brain is something you've kind of programmed, but you are your spirit, you know, your, your spirit. But what happens is with like with pornography, we know that it's way more complicated than just like controlling your thoughts with these young men. There's chemicals involved. We call it chemical warfare. And so if they're, if they've been exposed, which, you know, they're all been exposed and their brains are really sharp, their brain connects the dots and says, wow, when I was exposed to that, it released some dopamine, it released uh, chemicals, it released some things that caused me to temporarily feel good and your brain's not dumb. And it's like, let's remember that that helped. So then in the future you connect more dots, you know, well, when I'm stressed or bored or lonely, angry, stressed, tired, all those things, your brain's like, well, we know it can help you feel better. Your spirit's saying, well, we know that's not the greatest, but your brain learns that. And then if, as it happens over and over, those neural pathways get broader and the behavior will follow the, the stimulus, you know, with that response more and more. And then before long, they feel uh, a little out of control. They can't, they can't help that. And so that's in a real, real brief, uh, nutshell, how easy it is for that to become a problem. And another part of the problem is with young men, we know this part of the brain is not very well developed until you're like in your late twenties. And so as one therapist put it, you know, you reach adolescence, you know, 11 and 12, we call that like, so th these young men are a race car. They get this powerful engine when they're 11 or 12 and they don't get the braking system till they're later in their twenties. So that's pretty hard to navigate a, a race car with no brakes. You know, some, some people are like, well, why would God create us that way? Well, you'll have to ask him that, but he also knows you know, he's not going to give us any commandment unless he knows we can do it, but he knows right off the gate, he knows that's going to be a challenge and he knows that 
with uh, a lot of work, they can get the help. And perhaps he also wants them to know that they can't do it alone, that they have to turn to the Lord. And, you know, that's just, uh, that's just one of the greatest lessons in life when we realize I can't do this. And then the Lord says, congratulations. I'm glad you finally figured that out. And now I will help you. And, and so you probably all can relate to that a little bit. So, so with that, we, I get to work with young men who then have learned that they need the savior. They've learned to set goals. They've learned to help work with others. And, and it turns out just that it's a great mission prep program. And it's just not a coincidence that these young men that I've had uh, the opportunity to work with for actually more like 11 years in, in a formal way or whatever, but 30 years as a therapist, it's just not a coincidence that these young men who almost couldn't have had the opportunity to serve when they serve, you know, their assistants to the present, they're the zonies, they're the designated trainers, they're the leaders. And then they end up needing to teach these tools and these skills to their companions and and so I've been able to witness that miracle for a long time. And so that's in a, in a nutshell, what I do. And, I, and the reason I like working with this population is I only work with noble and great ones. You know, I tell them, if you're not noble and great, well, then I'm not going to work with you. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm noble and great. Well, you are because you're here. You know, you're all the wonderful mothers. You're the mothers that are doing the right things, right? Because you're here, you know, you're showing up. And you're still working on it. You're still trying. That's noble and great does not mean you're perfect. Noble and great to me just means you're willing to fight, right? That's what noble and great means. Noble and great means you're willing to fight. You're still trying. And so, yeah, I had to speak at one of my granddaughter's baptisms. And, and I, I told her, you know, getting baptized just means you're willing to keep trying. Uh, that you're, you're noble and great. You've decided you made a decision and you're just going to keep trying. And so that's what, that's what we do. So we love boys. I, I love these guys. So any questions at this point, or I need to d jump into that double funnel thing. Oh, we would love to hear that. We do have a few questions. So Chris, oh, whichever direction you want to go, you want to go that way first? Yeah, yeah. Let's do some questions. Okay. Maybe just first one, just from me. And then I've got a couple that have come in the chat and then moms just feel free to enter them into the chat. You can enter them privately or just right there for everyone. And I'll be watching to read them. But Chris, could you give just a, an elevator version of what is the Sun to Helaman program? You know, if you had to explain it in a minute or two. Well, so it's predominantly LDS young men or, or minimize for older men. But young men that have come to the point with, you know, with their parents, with themselves that feel like the, this compulsion or, uh, or perhaps even addiction, I, I, I kind of actually shy away from the word addiction. I don't want to label them and, but, uh, this compulsive behavior is out of control and they, they want some help. They want some tools. And so they, we meet in a group setting and we have, it's a two hour group. They, we, we try to establish a culture of love and brotherhood and support that alone is amazing because pornography is about, you know, not connection. It disconnects And these, when they come together, lots of these teenagers today are, even if there's like super involved in school, turns out they're very lonely and that loneliness, you know, cause they're not connecting. So we establish that a support and that connection. And then we do a lot of teaching of different skills. We have a series of 12 lessons 
And once they start connecting, you know, and there's an app that, that we connect with, it's called Relay. Anyone can actually join that app. They are able to start, you know, working together as warriors and, and in a constructive way and not in a shameful way. It's like Satan is just all about kicking you when you're down, you know? And so, you know, I always tell them you're in the ring fighting and sometimes no matter what in a boxing match, you're going to get hit. And then when they get hit, because that's life, Satan then jumps in the ring and kicks him in the head. And so they have to be able to separate those things out and understand that, uh, you know, how to channel their energies and channel their efforts and in what's productive and not what's not counter counterproductive. So they go through that program and they graduate when they've had 12 weeks of no lost battles, meaning no incidents or relapse to pornography or masturbation. Thank you, Chris. And I'm sure we'll kind of get more details as we discuss here, but that's helpful because we have lots of moms that that's new for. So. Yeah. And I would say probably 20% of the, my young men, my boys will also need a little bit of individual work because often, you know, if there's anxiety or depression or some other uh, things, it's very difficult because the higher the pain, the more your brain is going to say, I need to help you. And if those dots have been connected with pornography, then, you know, it's just like, I have to have my drug, you know, you know, it's, it's likened to a drug for, for a lot of reasons because of the chemicals. It's a drug that is unfortunately very accessible. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to go to a scary part of town and, you know, with access, they can find it in, you know, 10 seconds. So it's pretty hard to refuse a drug that's that accessible. It's like. My dad is an alcoholic, but he didn't live in a bar, right? These are guys that are addicted to pornography and it's like they're living in the bar. So it's, you have to have a lot of tools and, and a lot of help. And so that's what we do. That's, that's super helpful. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Let's start on a couple of our questions. The, here's our first question. It's from a mom that had a son in the sense of human program, my my son was in the Sensei Helaman program and successfully became a general. So graduated from the program, the 12 weeks that Chris referenced. He's now on a mission, but has had more, more struggles with Mr. P and Mr. M on his mission. He also is now struggling with his testimony. He wants to believe, but he just isn't sure. Do you have any advice for me as his mom, things I can do or say or write to him besides just praying for him and putting his name in the temple? Thanks for the question. That's a great question. Well, your son obviously has great desires and a wonderful heart. And he, he at one point learned how to ride the bike. You know, those are the tools. He still knows how to ride a bike. You don't forget how to ride a bike. And somehow helping him to remember what he had learned and what he felt. It's important, even though you're on a mission. The problem with, obviously with missions is that there's a thing called like the stress scale and you get points for stressors that's been designed. Not, it's not an LDS thing, but like death of a spouse or death of a child is considered the highest stress, it might be worth like 20 points, you know, and then other, some other losses there. But then as you work your way down that stress scale, 
you'll start to encounter things like moving from home, a uh, new job, uh, new uh, friends or a new language. And it turns out that on that stress scale, a mission hits like 15 of those things. And so lost battles to pornography, there's a direct correlation usually with your emotions. So as your stress goes up, your, your inclination or temptations to lose will go up, not because you're a creepy person, but just because your brain never forgets. And so I often, you know, mission presidents give permission often for these young men to call me if I had worked with them. You know, and he might have some permission to call or, and, and usually, usually it says one or two calls just to remember, because you, I'd have to say he's struggling with some, some distorted thinking and, and he's, you know, there's Satan's lies. We talk about what's the lie before the loss. You know, she could even ask him what, what is it that's happening prior to a loss? Where, what is it that helped? What is it that you start to think? But obviously that affects your faith. Obviously that affects when your spirit takes a hit, it, you know, it affects your, your faith. And so that's a tough thing, but that's, that's what I'd say real quickly. Thank you, Chris. Can you, can you just give us a couple of examples? I, I hadn't heard that before. I love that. The lie before the loss. What might be a lie, a few of the lies before the loss? Well, you know, boy, when I say, well, and, and it's really great when they identify these lies because you know, Satan's all about secretive. And then we put things in the open, you know, uh, we say addiction is, is it, you know, thrives in isolation and it's, and it's destroyed in community. Right. And so as they identify these, or even have a page where they write these down, it just disarms Satan. So it just might be the lie might be, well, I've already lost this week. It doesn't hurt if I just lose again, or I'm not gonna be able to go to sleep unless I lose or, you know, no one likes me. And so what does it matter? And, but you know, just there's a million of them. I used to have a wall. I shouldn't have painted over it, but I had a wall with like a hundred lies on it that they had written. My room's a mess. It's just graffiti all over these walls because it's their, their room. It's the war room, you know, it's our version of the war. Room. So. That's helpful. Thanks, Chris. Well, I mean, and you can all relate to lies. Women have lots and lots of lies. And my wife is very, my wife has struggled with depression since the birth of our second child. And she is really great at identifying the lies. And she has on our fridge, why are you fighting? Why don't you just give up? <laughs> Which is our qu first question that we do in group. And she loves that question. So, yeah. Yes, we do relate to that, you know. The lies, absolutely. Yeah, we... comparisons are always a lie. I mean, half truths are are lies. They're you know they're p more powerful. So something that has a little bit of truth in it with a terrible twist or something. Hey, thank you. Okay, we do have more questions coming in, so we're just gonna keep it going. This is wonderful. Yeah, I have two boys, eleven and ten. What can I do now to help my sons navigate teenage years? Boys don't seem to want to listen. Or talk to their moms as they get older. Yeah. Let's, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's a great point. Maurice is really known to say when the sound of your mother's voice no longer annoys you, then you're ready to graduate from the program, right? But unfortunately, that's a trained behavior because what do moms generally, their job generally is 
trying to get their sons to do things. And, and it's like, Hey, do your homework, you know, help got to empty the garbage, you know, quit arguing with your sister. And, and there's lots of no's and that's rough. Cause that's a mom's primarily the mom's job. And then the dad can come home and, you know, sometimes just be the hero and the nice guy. And so that, that can create a little bit of a challenge, but I would just say, create a situation with your boys. One physical touch is, is shown to be very huge with boys, you know, just the side hug or the pat on the back, or just shaking them or, you know, whatever they need that. And, you know, I always worry about boys who, who will say, well, we're, we're not huggers in our family. Well, we don't really show much affection in our family. Well, that, you know, to me, that's a problem. So, and then create opportunities to be able to praise, to be able to say great things. And then, you know, obviously just keep the lines of communication open. We have boys that even though their parents are just amazing, they'll still have struggles because that's the world we live in. But with those struggles, they will share with their mom what's happening. They'll talk to her about what's happening and then it can be addressed and then you can take action. So, you know, you're obviously establishing a foundation of that relationship. And so what do they do when they encounter those things? Do they feel safe talking to you? They, you know, and plus moms are paramount, you know, we trust maternal instincts. We trust mother's intuition. I rarely talk to a mom who's wrong <laughs> about feeling like something's up, you know, that's just what you're blessed with. So, and plus just educate and talk about it, you know, in an age appropriate way, as you get older, most our boys, their age uh, where they is usually 10 or 11, you know, when they have a exposure, not where it's a problem, but where there's exposure, I try to distinguish between when did you feel like it became an issue, uh, a challenge that you couldn't work with. So. Thank you, Chris. And just a, a little bit of a follow-up with that question. Is the Sense of Helaman program just for kids struggling? Are there some things or programs for kids to try and be proactive or before they're struggling? I'll, I'm going to let Karen answer some of that as well as I will say that I've had a number of young men that come through our program who's like, their brother came through because he was struggling. And then the parents are like, but I want my other sons to come through just to learn the tools as a preemptive strike, so to speak, you know, cause we like to say that prior to learning tools and skills, you're fighting Satan, you know, hand to hand, you know, fighting with knives hand to hand, and you're going to get cut. We want to turn you into snipers, right? So that you can see him from a distance and tackle problems sooner. And they get really skilled in that way. What would you add to that, Karen? We do have a self-mastery training program called Eternal Warriors, and you can find that at lifechangingservices.org underneath the resources tab or training and support tab. One of those two. I think it's the training and support tab. Yeah, so you can enroll your whole family in an Eternal Warriors class and do learn those things together. I think that's something I would add is that it's really powerful. A lot of times we just wait, you know, we think, well, geez, I hope we don't go there. I hope we don't get real messy around here. Yeah, I'm just going to break my heart if we get that messy, you know. And then when it happens, because you're right, it is the war zone. 
that they're in and they can be the best of the best and you can be the mom that tries the very hardest. And, but it's so cool to just know that, yeah, there are resources for self-mastery training here at Life Training Services, but a lot of mothers think, wow, well, I'm just going to stay away from, I hope we never need sons of Helaman, you know? It's just so cool to think, yeah, I too did that. I thought, I, my son needs the man training. He's not necessarily needing the sons of Helaman for compulsive behavior, but every boy is struggling with sexual self-mastery and just mastering that and understanding that drive. And with the world they're in and the satanic attacks they're getting and the spiritual warfare that they're facing in that direction and not understanding the chemistry that's going on in all that self-mastery, it's just huge. So Sons of Helaman is a great man training and you have qualified therapists and personal warrior trainers outside of group that meet one-on-one with your boy and help him with goals and things like that. So yeah, I think Eternal Warriors is an option. It's a softer option than Sons of Helaman. So you could start there and then go to Sons of Helaman, but, or you could just go, we're going all the way. But yeah, it's just such a great resource. I'm just so proud of this program. And I am so grateful for it. Thank you, Karen. That's, I'm glad I asked that. That's uh, perfect. I'm super passionate about what I do. When my wife was trying to wrap up a PhD program, I couldn't work full-time teaching seminary and do my counseling. And so something had to go and you can see what I did. <laughs> I retired from seminary because I love the miracle I get to see. It's sacred ground in those groups. You're seeing things that, and I feel like, wow, no parent has ever been in a group. No adults get to see this, this power of what's happening in there. I better hurry and do some double funnel theory and then, or do you want to hurry and do one more question? All right. Let's go ahead and do this one more question. And then, Thanks. yeah, well, we would love to hear the double funnel theory. So here's the question. With your experience working with young men, how would you advise a young man who is involved with a girl online in a different state? He's 16. She's 14. I think this is a new way of dating, virtual. We've talking to him as has resulted in him shutting us down, but him not stopping. The girl's not religious and bad talks us as parents. Do I leave it alone? This is a new challenge for parents these days. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, I wouldn't leave it alone. That's for sure. Action's always better, even though it's always, sometimes scary to confront. I mean, just, just, you know, come to Jesus moment that. Help them understand what is this doing to you? How do you feel uh, about this? Is it helping you get closer to God? It's it's one of those things where you want to do, you could look up even a, a little bit of a book on maybe like motivational interviewing, helping him discover, because he knows the answers to this. He can sense that this isn't great, but he has to decide that he wants to tackle this, but definitely uh, fight for him. You know, this is what we're observing at, it seems like you're withdrawing from us. It seems like you're upset more often. It, it seems to us that you're not really at peace, that you're not really happy. We want to help you feel the way you used to feel. Remember how you used to feel? Help them try to, to 
see some of that stuff. Those are tough challenges, but usually when I interview a young man also, this is not to upset anyone, but the parents version of what's happening is, you know, it's usually here. And then in my very first interview, it's usually about five times worse than what the parents understand. I mean, sometimes it's not that way, but usually it's like, well, we just wanted to do this precautionary because he's only losing, he's only loses like maybe, you know, once a month, it's not that big of a deal, but we still thought maybe we'd get him some help. And then he comes in the first thing he tells him like, no, actually I'm losing every week. Or actually and they think, well, it's only it's a week. And then he's like, well, it's usually like three times a week. You know, it's always, they have to, they have to, that they don't want to disclose everything. They have to kind of save fix, so to speak. So don't assume you know everything either with that, that really, there, there might be more going on with those phone calls or that than we, than you might realize too. So, okay. A double funnel theory. So when you enter into a relationship, the textbooks will say there's two funnels, or you can think of them as whirlpools. One is the affection funnel and one is the commitment funnel. And they're designed by God to sort of like, you know, stay the same, so to speak, that as commitment increases, affection increases. And that at the very bottom of the one funnel would be, you know, uh, marriage. That's the ultimate commitment, right? And at the other funnel, it would be intimacy. You, you know, the honeymoon's supposed to happen there, right? After the, the, the marriage, that's kind of how it's been designed and throughout the ages. And sometimes, you know, a young man will push for more. Traditionally, a, a young man will like want more affection. And then the girl is saying, well, not until there's more commitment, right? Well, we're not going to do that unless, you know, you know, this is the story. I got to put a ring on it kind of a thing. And so throughout, throughout history, that's kind of been, been how that works. And then when you add God's commandments, you know, the affection funnel, God puts a wall there. I call it the Mormon wall that he doesn't want you to go down that affection funnel very far at all. And then there's more and more commitment. That because that of that, it's going to create pressure because we're, as human beings, we want to keep those level. And so to understand that that's going to be a, a normal experience is, is just good to understand. And so then, you know, you have the whole law of chastity and everything. Well, what Satan would love to do and what he's done throughout the ages is he likes to promote ultimate affection with no, with no commitment. And so, you know, that obviously that happens. I mean, you work with lots of uh, people in today's society that, you know, they're just hooking up. It's a very much that generation and, and yet it doesn't work. It causes a spiritual just chaos, whether you're LDS or not. I've worked with uh, people that were not, and they're just like, this is what everyone's doing, but it just doesn't sit right with me. It's driving me crazy. Well, now we have in today's society, how can you have this ultimate expression with zero commitment, you know, well, it's not real intimacy. It's a fraud, right? It's just sex or it's just virtual sex. And you think what has pornography, what is pornography? And for these young men, it's what it is. It's a, at an angle because there's, it's just a, an object that is virtual, full affection with the ultimate of zero commitment. Don't have to know their name. Don't have to interact. It can just all be on the screen. And whenever there's that tip in the, between these two funnels, 
it causes Elder Holland called it like spiritual schizophrenia, you know? And so to understand what it is you want, you want the greatest gift that, you know, and I think about what is the greatest gift God can give us in this life. It's that gift of true human intimacy and that it's worth fighting for. It is, it is, it's the ultimate gift that we can experience in this life, but society is, is makes it hard. People that are experiencing true intimacy aren't out talking about it because it's sacred, right? It's personal, you know, and you can sense it. I mean, I could sense it growing up in Bountiful among my friend's parents. I was like, they got something there and that's what I want. And so the double funnel theory is just kind of one way to illustrate what it is they're really fighting for. It's going to take faith because, you know, we don't live, we don't live in a society that really wants to go by faith, but the greatest gifts take some faith and it takes some work, you know, and you can think about the opposites of true intimacy versus just sex or just porn. You know, one takes work, one takes self-discipline, one self-gratification, one selflessness, you know, everything in, in, and one is, you know, thinking about the other person, one is about what it is that I want kind of a thing. And, and so a lot of the boys that, or seminary classes, even that I've talked about the, the double funnel theory, you know, more to it, just said that just really clicks. It just helps me understand, you know, why I feel what I feel, why I'm fighting and just how those things work, you know, commitment and affection. And, you know, God wants commitments. We're a covenant people. You know, we want to be on the, the covenant path. The, and then with those come, come the blessings. That's, that's kind of the, the modified version of, of what, what uh, is called double funnel theory. I wanted to end so that we could have just any other last questions. And I can see we're out of time and some of these ladies are going to need to, to run. So I guess back to you, BJ. Thank you, Chris. And thanks everyone for just being so flexible. That's what we do. That's, that's how we work and it works great. So I have learned so much and I bet some of you are wondering, how have I listened to this again? Or I wanted to, I've got a few things in the chat saying, how do I hear this again? Or what, what was the other part of this? And so I just want you to know that you can go to our podcast channel, Mothers Who Know podcast channel on Friday. This will be posted and you'll be able to listen again. It's often nice to listen twice when you're hearing a lot of things that you're like, I'd like this. I can use this. I want to try this. So, and that's where you can go. You can just go to also for all of those resources that Karen mentioned, just go to motherswhoknow.org. You can find the podcast there. You can find the resources there under the support tab. So uh, that's just a great place to go if you happen to be listening and don't have access to the chat. So, all right. So let's, Chris, if it's okay, we have several more questions in the chat. All right. Let's, let's keep going on these questions. This is awesome. So Chris, thank you. This mom says, my son has been in the program for several months. It has been awesome. He really benefits from the one-on-one -on -one and group. He's made progress and still slips. I struggle to help him see his success. He really gets down on himself so easily. Have any thoughts there, Chris? Well, 
I feel like when I first started working with these young men and they were kind of part of the group, when you kind of, when you feel like you're entering a program, you kind of feel like you're going to get it fixed. And I don't really try to predict how someone, you know, how quickly someone's going to be able to gain some self-mastery over this. And boys are super complicated in a way of trying to fix this. They're simple in that they have so much in common, but this is the fight of their life. And if things are, everything else is pretty good, then they can make some pretty fast strides. If they're struggling with say OCD, a lot of them, or ADHD can be a common thing, or like I said, depression or anxiety, I kind of call that the two headed monster. You know, we have a huge dragon on our, on the wall. And if they come in and everything else is otherwise pretty healthy and it's just sort of, like I said, normal pain, I guess, sad way to put it. But then as they implement these tools and these skills and they work really hard at it, they can get there. But a lot of situations are a little more complicated and, and it just takes time. But if they get caught up in just measuring when, you know, a lost battle, sometimes that can be a Satan can pounce on that as a lie, but I just think, where would you rather, rather be? It's still worth it. You know, sometimes finances are, are difficult, but you know, I've had moms or dads say, well, he's been in the program two months and he's not fixed. So we're taking him out. I'm like, well, okay. Try not to question that, but it's just kind of, to me, it's like get cancer. I mean, you just wouldn't quit the treatment halfway through. And, but it does take a lot of patience, but Elder Holland promised if we keep working on it, eventually you will get, and so I have to do a lot of work in the group to help that mindset. It is discouraging. You know, you come in with some expectations that I'm going to have this conquered, but what you don't know is where would they be if they hadn't been in the group, you know, say they're, you know, they came in and, and if they weren't in the group, I, I would say it would have progressed things that are not resolved reoccur. And so. If they weren't, weren't there, chances are it was going to get worse and worse. Even if they'd just been able to keep fighting, but they're still having some issues, but they're growing in understanding, they're growing in maturity, you know, that's, to me, that's still a real win. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. And that your response might have answered part of this next question. This is a real question for lots of us moms. I read and I hear a lot about the success, but what about those who are not finding success going on five years? How does one keep going, child or mother? It's definitely caused me to question my faith and trust in God. Thanks for the question. Well, it does tie in a lot with that previous question. I, I definitely have, you know, some thoughts about you know, all of the boys in group have given up for a time. They've experienced that feeling of, you know, I, we ask, why don't you just give up? And, and they will say, I would rather fight, even if I'm still losing some battles, than give up. And, you know, we, we can't put a timetable on, on some of these things with, and, and the Lord, and, and, you know, throughout the the gospel throughout the scriptures, he's always saying, you know, 
trust in my time. Look at those who have given up. Where are they now? You know, it, it is hard. This is your cross to bear, your Gethsemane. But when they're fighting, they, they can still be growing. Just not, maybe not in the ways that we can see. That's why sometimes we, we have to shy away from how much did you win this week versus, you know, I'll ask boys that have been in the program a couple of years. Hey, you're week zero. Why do you even come to group? How has it even helped you? How have you benefited? And they're like, I mean, and I can see it. I can see growth in so many ways, even if they're still losing. And they'll say, well, wow, I'm not even the same person I was you know, two years ago or four years ago. And eventually it's, it's going to translate into wins. Sometimes I think you just have to wait for the brain to develop, but, but, you know, often it's just, if you can get them on the mission and, you know, the church is doing a lot of things to, to really work with these guys because they need that reinforcement. And there, usually there's still a lot of shame work that needs to be done with, with someone that's struggled like that. Wonderful. Thank you. Those are real Real things. We get that. So well, my heart goes out to you. I mean, that's, those are the guys that I'm praying for. I'm like, okay, what am I doing wrong? They've been in my group too long now. You know, um, there's some tough situations there. It's yeah. it tough. Yeah. I just think they must have the biggest missions to perform if, if Satan's working on them that hard. And that's what I want them to be thinking about and know. Yeah. I do agree. I mean, I do have to say i feel like that for sure that that god's working in the waiting you know so just that's just appreciate the question and i do see his work happening you know even in my own life where i see lots of those feelings surface you know daily to just i also see god working in amazing ways, you know, with me and with me first and foremost. And I see it in a lot of other people too. So thanks for those thoughts, Chris. Okay, here's another one. We're just going to see how many we can get to gals. I know we've got a lot. We might have to try and talk or corner Chris into round two with us at some point, but really appreciate it. I wonder if Chris could expound more on how to help boys want to talk and share with me as a mom. I feel like it's a, a pendulum when I hear that boys are supposed to pull away and not need their moms anymore, or you don't want them to share it all with you so they can feel comfortable still being around you, or this isn't your job. Let the therapist be in charge of this with them, etc. When I keep communication. Then I hear keep communication open, but I feel like it's hard to do. I know I can't force them to share with me, but I do want to be available if they want to share. Any tips on how to do this? That's kind of a tricky one because we do kind of hear, hey, let the therapist do this part. And, and we kind of don't know where we sit yeah, in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and she makes a good point. You know, if it is natural development, healthy, healthy and natural development for them to kind of want to be independent, to pull away. But you want them to be able to do that in a healthy way and not be mean and rude and argumentative and disrespectful. I just think there's other ways to connect. You know, you don't have to focus on the problem, but connect in other ways. A lot of peripheral stuff. You know, you're talking to them. I mean, 
my wife, her, our sons talk to her still all the time. They're both married and it's because they've, they've just had that, you know, a lot of things, you know, go out and throw the ball. That's when they'll talk, go out and be doing a, a hike. That's when they'll talk, you, you know, they're not going to want to sit down and talk to it. It's like, let's talk, but create a circumstance with other things that you have in common and, or things that are in, you know, part of their world and, and just be asking and talking about that. And then the other talking seems to come in as from my observation. And in, in addition to that, you know, like we said, the physical touch and the kind of thing. This is, this is a tough one, you know, fortunately there's always books. There's other things that will focus right on those things on that mother son relationship, but those are just some of my off the top of my head. Wonderful. Thank you. All right. Here's another one. And Karen, you just jump in when it's time to, to move in and just know moms, we do have just a really neat group called warrior mothers who know we meet every Tuesday at 11 o'clock. You can find us on motherswhoknow.org under the support tab. We don't mind in the least talking about things that are sensitive. It's a really safe place for that. And Karen leads those discussions there. We have a therapist join twice a month, that group. So just know that's a beautiful place to come if you're thinking, oh, I didn't quite get to my question. I just want you to know that's available and come join us. We'll be there today at 11 o'clock Mountain Time. Oh, BJ, I was going to answer uh, one thing. I I see the, the name of one of the moms of one of my boys and Every week, the first, when we ask him, why are you fighting? Why don't you just give up? His, his reason every week, his first reason is for my mom. They know that you love them. They more is getting through than you think, you know, it, it, the paydays don't come immediately. Uh, they're not always connected that way. But if you could hear what the boys say in group, you would know that, that you're doing more good than you realize and that they love you more. You're. <clears throat> They don't have a wife yet. You're their number one reason they're fighting almost always. You know, they'll say, well, for my mission and for my future. But right now they're fighting because the the person that brought them into this world that loves them more than any other person, they know that, you know, and they feel that. And so even though they might not show it, you've been their biggest influence. Love that. That's a good reminder. Okay, here we go. My son did 12-step ARP and didn't do complete inventory and went on a mission. He confessed to mission president something he should have done, should have during inventory, but mission president said it's okay and supported him with his continued masturbation struggle while there. In the thick of COVID, he was sent home to address masturbation and told that he needs to go through the program through church headquarters, but the program isn't like ARP. The church would pay limited weeks. Then he needed to pay. It was about $200 a week. After about nine months, he was told he's not progressing and that he can return to the program after six weeks of no masturbation. After 18 months of- What program is he returning? I thought, I think it says the ARP program. I don't know what the program is that's 200 a week. Yeah. I don't know if this is the, well, the church's program isn't that. Okay. I'm not sure on it. I was hoping you would magically know. Do you know, Karen? No, I was going to say, how about if we go to the next question so that mom can clarify in the chat to you and come back to it. Sounds good. Sounds good. 
you know, and maybe there's just a, a bottom line here to that question that we can, we can. Well, I will, I will say that I have uh, a lot of friends that are mission presidents and they're not therapists, but they're men of God, you know, and they concluded, they've shared with me that they feel like, you know, half their missionaries are struggling with this. And so they've reached out to me and we've tried to do some things to just really help them. And so it's not, it's not a sexual thing. It's a, it's a, how they've learned to deal with stress and deal with the pain. And then, and, and so once again, trying to resolve the pain and the shame really usually helps resolve the behavior. Okay. That's some good help. The last part of her question says, you know, did you just have any advice for me supporting him? Anything I can say or suggest to him? And maybe this program the, that you're involved with isn't, you know, might be. We can get the Like Dragons They Did Fight book and start reading that. And I've had a lot of guys from my group just share that with their companions. And their companions said, this was awesome. This is exactly what I needed. And I mean, they offer those books, you know, very cheap or free and any mission president would be happy for them to be reading that along with their other readings. You know, I know they have a very strict risk list of what's allowed, but that's just gotta be allowed and they'll allow that, you know, it's not going to any way disrupt their missionary work. Okay. Awesome. And that, that directly talks about this shame issue, kind of blows it out of the water. And so anyway, that's a great one. Likedragonsfree.com is where you can get the free ebook. And then I bet Luann's going to put the link to, if you want to purchase that. Karen, did you have something on that? Okay. Uh, well, we, we have kind of a, I guess you'd call it a brother book or a sister book. Like this is also a great resource that I think they would allow on a mission to Armed with Righteousness by Stephen A. Kramer. Um, it's winning our battles with Satan. When my son went through the program, they called it the Green Book. Oh, yeah. So it's really a good hand-in-hand -hand with like dragons did they fight. Okay, wonderful. Okay, we actually have three more still. So let's see here how we go. At what point do you steer away from mission talk? Because it is almost weighing them down more the pressure of a mission. The idea is great if they could get there, but what if they're not going to or can't? I don't talk about missions unless that's their goal. You know, that's their, their desire. That this is all, you know, this church is about agency, right? I mean, <laughs> that's everything's founded at agency. And so I asked them, what are your goals? And I have guys come through and like, you know, I'm not really interested in that. It's a little tough sometimes because they're gonna hear guys in the group who are saying, you know, they're excited about their mission or other guys in the group that got their mission call. But when you give them, you know, when, when you kind of enable them to choose and to, to what they want, you know, that's great. There are, I mean, none of my brothers served a mission and the two of them have served as bishops. I mean, it's, there's different paths for everyone and I'm not going to dictate what the path should be. They. We just want them to reach their goals and be happy, you know, and the gospel is the plan of happiness. It's tough. I mean, I, I use the therapy tools, whole toolbox, full of therapy tools, but I also use my spiritual box, my spiritual toolbox. And if I'm doing one-on-one -on -one counseling, I basically say, which you want me to use both toolboxes or just one toolbox? And they'll usually like, well, you know. I want both toolboxes. Like, are you sure you're okay with that? You know, but, but that's a tough thing. I mean, that's a great question. No easy answers to any of these questions. Geesh. 
<laughs> we're giving it to you and we love what you're sharing. It's great. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying some of my thoughts or opinions, but yeah. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, Chris, we're so grateful for your service. And I just had the thought, I think Chris and I need to have a podcast interview to add to come right after this meeting, right? On our podcast channel. So I'll be in touch with you, Chris. Maybe that's something you and I can just do one-on-one and then it will be, a, we can answer those last two questions as well as go into more of the understanding that double funnel theory and what we're all up against in our day. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies, you're the strength of the church. You know, I blow what Elder Packer said, you, you know, how he, he just, he just talked about it. It's in the last days, it's the women that are going to rise up and, and save this church. And uh, man, I feel your strength and your power and your testimonies and your goodness. And uh, I wish I could take away all of your sorrows and your pains and, and the challenges of what this life brings, because you've put yourself out there and you've tried to do what you can. And, and I just think, don't underestimate what you're doing. If you're here today, you must be an amazing mom, an amazing maternal influence on many, many people. I just want to say that, you know, this, I would be nowhere without, without the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would be nowhere without my savior. He has, you know, put me in a place where I can try to influence others. And, you know, Elder Holland spoke at West Point Military Academy last week, and he promised that our children are going to find their way back if we have, you know, if we were married in the covenant, that they, that they'll, it is going to pull them back. And we, you know, we all have situations where we know it's going to take something beyond our abilities. It's going to take other people in their lives. It's going to take other spiritual awakenings. And I, you know, I just am glad that it's God's work and glory to bring to pass that their eternal life, not, not mine. I'm just there to help him do his work. And he can do it. He will do it. And I, I just promise you that and leave that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. And thank you ladies for joining us. That's so good. You know, this is life eternal. That's what it made me think of when you shared Moses 139. This is life eternal that, that they may know, you know, heavenly father and his son, Jesus Christ. And that that's what Heavenly Father's glory is to fight for our immortality and eternal life. And so it's just such a great connection there. Like that's bottom line. That's what will bring us more peace and more ability in anything we're facing is trying to come to know them in the heart and really fight hard against the giving up and leaving and quitting, right? He's really good at what he does, but sometimes, you know, it's a mystery to have to about it. So thanks, Chris. He's great at it. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. We'll see you next week at our first week of our mom power training. Thanks BJ for your help and Luann. Appreciate you ladies. Love you, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. It was great.